I want you to put the word out there. Back back up. The Knicks just look like a tougher team. What are these Cavalier boys going to do with us? They're not ready. They've got some dudes that will just rip your heart out. This is Fear the Phone. Hey, Cavs fans, how you feeling? Knicks are reeling. DG through the ceiling. Jalen and Julius got to do a lot more. Otherwise, orange and blue. Out the door. Yeah. Guaranteed. RJ, Jalen, Randall, awful shooting, sloppy handle. 24% going to sink the Knicks. Because there ain't no such thing as halfway bricks. We are going to build. I'm still taking the Knicks' future over the Cavs' future. You chose the wrong guy. You and I are card-carrying members of the Garland Club. When I seen the first couple of fall, I knew it was going to be a good night. That's when they just told me to keep shooting it. I just am a huge Garland believer. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse has erupted as Darius Garland. It's a downtown bomb. The clip go. Garland steps back. Three ball. Bullseye! I think Garland is now taking the throne as the most underrated player in the NBA. He makes everything look easy when he scores. He knew what we needed. He knew how important this game was. Darius Garland. Darius fucking Garland. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. The Cavs have tied it up 1-1. What a difference just a couple of days make. Bob Schmidt, lifelong Cavs fan, voice of Fox Sports Radio, celebrating the Cavaliers drawing even in a game which they won. Now they head on the road to take on the Knicks on Friday, but tonight, let's talk about tonight. At one point, leading by 29 points, this game was not even close. Now, the series is even, but if there is such a thing as a victory, feeling like more than one victory, this would be it. A demoralizing, crushing defeat for the New York Knicks. Hopefully, they can regroup. I don't hope this. That's I'm speaking from what their perspective would be. I hope they implode. I know one man who hopes they rally, and that is fellow Syracuse alumnist Nick Fridell. Do you see this Cavs team still being able to pull out the series? Yes, Nick. Yes, I do. (laughs) Easy for me to say now. I was feeling bad after game one, but certainly this teaches everyone a lesson in not writing off a team based on game one, because game one does not make game two, does not make game three. Every game is its own unique battle. I hope there's infighting amongst these guys. I hope Julius Randle continues to attack Jalen Brunson's face and the Knicks fold up quickly. And by that, I mean the team concedes rapidly, quickly has already folded up all on his own due to the playoff pressure, seemingly without the Cavs having to do anything. As for these Cavs, it's a tale of two teams between what Game 1 and Game 2 brought, so let's hope middle ground, at least. Now, tonight's game was over from the second quarter on, basically. A 20-point lead at halftime, and that was all she wrote for the Knicks. No taking your foot off the gas. There was a lethargic third by both teams, But it didn't matter because from the second quarter on, a quarter in which they doubled the Knicks up 34 to 7, sorry, what did I say? 34 to 17. And from there, there was no looking back. They finished the game 107-90. But if there is such a thing as a deceptive 17-point win, this was it. Garbage time was basically good for only one man, Emmanuel Quickly, a complete no-show Thus far, three points in game one. He had 12 tonight. However, 10 came in garbage time. If Emmanuel quickly continues along the path that he is blazing of complete and utter mediocrity. Living in mediocrity. Then perhaps he can win comeback player of the year. I know that's not an actual award. What I'm saying is he sucks right now. 
people are going to forget that he was even a good bench player if this is the type of playoff resume that he puts together. But the sucking is not Emmanuel Quickly's alone. No, the sucking is shared amongst the whole roster and all the obnoxious fans who wrote the Cavs off after game one. Jalen Brunson, a man who I was told humiliated Donovan Mitchell last year in the playoffs, and now he has one solid second half in game one and a game two turd so shiny that I could find my way home if it was pitch dark at night and somebody hurled that shiny turd right above my house. Jalen Brunson accounted for 20 points today, nine of which came at the free throw stretch. The rest of his 11 points came on a 5-for-17 shooting display, including one for eight from outside the arc. And while he did have four steals, that's impressive, I'll give him that, he was frustrated by the defense. He was terrible from three. He was terrible from the mid-range, and every one of his buckets came mostly in breakouts, getting to the rim in transition. He could not hit anything with a combination of Okoro for all of three minutes before he was subbed out of the game, never to return. Osman, Levert, all of them took turns on him. We even got a moment or two of Danny Green, who logged 15 minutes tonight for the Cavaliers. That was a welcome sighting. So JB has opted to bring length at them, and I'm sure there will be some corrections taking place. And again, I don't like banking on bad shooting as what's going to be indicative of what we see from future Jalen Brunson. I'm a lot more confident that R.J. Barrett will continue to suck, that Emmanuel quickly will be relatively a non-factor over the course of this whole series. But if we can simply bank tough looks for Jalen Brunson, that's enough for me. If he knocks him down, tip your hat. But I do like everything started with the defense tonight. And yes, the big men open everything up, but Karis LeVert and Darius Garland were fantastic defensively. And even Osman, for as bad as he was shooting, he came back and helped on the defensive glass. Everything was flowing. The first and second quarter looked pretty solid in that regard, especially from the moment Darius Garland first started imposing his will. The predictions about who would enter the rotation, I was wrong. I'll say that right out of the gate. Uh, Lamar Stevens did not absorb any of Dean Wade's minutes, but Dean Wade was, in fact, removed from the rotation. Instead, the Cavaliers just opted to go small, with more wing length, but no true interior presence. Diakite didn't see minutes. Stevens didn't see minutes. We didn't get Robin Lopez. Instead, we just leaned heavier on Karis LeVert, and I definitely think JB got in their ear about the importance of not ignoring the rebounding. Osmond did enough on the glass. Six rebounds. LeVert, Danny Green both chipped in four rebounds apiece. That's the type of of backcourt production you need on the glass. And where do we sit at the end of the night with the bigs? Well, the bigs stepped up. They took the elbows. They took the the shoves in the back. They took the pulling to the floor by Julius Randle. How satisfying was it to see? Now, you really have to watch the Knicks broadcast to catch the first elbow. But there was a play, and I think you'll all recall it, where Julius Randle dragged Jared Allen to the floor. Now, on the national broadcast, they only replayed that section. But on the Knicks broadcast, you see that right before he does it, he throws kind of a cheap shot elbow into Evan Mobley to get him out of the way, then tries to drag Allen down, doesn't get a foul call. Allen races to the other end of the court, trucks Jalen Brunson on a screen, checks on him because he's a nice gentleman, kicks the ball out to Darius Garland, splash, three-pointer. And then Garland comes down and takes a charge on quickly. What a demoralizing swing for a guy whose aggression worked against him this game. Hurt his elbow when he fell down. 
and still managed to get stuffed, to get stripped, to fumble it out of the bounds. Listen to this second quarter from Julius Randle, a quarter in which the Cavaliers outscored the Knicks. The Knicks had a total of 17 points. Darius Garland scored 15 on his own in the second quarter. Julius Randle and the Knicks gave up 19 points off of turnovers to zero for the Cavs. Ten of those were the responsibility of Julius Randle, who turned the ball over four times just in that quarter alone. He turned into ISO Randle, tried to force the issue, and got stuffed again and again and again and again. He was horrible. And at the end of the night, you have R.J. Barrett, right now shooting six for 25 over the course of these two playoff games. That's 24% from the floor. That's 12.5% from three. I would argue that maybe the Cavaliers should be paying for his salary because he has the touch of a sexual predator at this point. It's unwelcomed, and it should be illegal. Horrible. Julius Randle, six turnovers, eight for 20 from the floor. Evan Mobley has figured out how to most effectively contest shots. He's not going to stop everything. Mitchell Robinson was a complete non-factor offensively. He still got four blocks, but only one offensive rebound for the big man today. And we saw Allen stuff him from behind on what would have been a sure dunk. At the end of the game, they did get more offensive rebounds from the Cavs, but they lost the overall rebounding battle 32-23. to And that is a huge victory because this Cavalier team had not won the rebounding battle in any matchup against the Knicks yet this season. This was the first time. Just consider, in Game 1, they lost bench points by 23. They lost rebounds by 13. They lost second chance points by 11. This time around, they won bench points. The Cavaliers, with their anemic bench, had 8 more bench points than the Knicks. They had 12 more rebounds than the Knicks. They had four more second-chance points than the Knicks. And this Knicks team, who is 24-17 and 17 on the road this season, one of the best road teams in the NBA, fifth all-time in Knicks franchise history, they were humiliated, and now they have to regroup. And perhaps they will. I don't want to take, just like I didn't want to take too much out of Game 1, shouldn't take too much out of Game 2. But I do feel encouraged that JB has found some things which hopefully will make it a bit more difficult for Brunson. And I think Karis LeVert looks a hell of a lot better in that mid-range if that holds up. Jalen Brunson trying to stop him had minimal luck tonight. That looked like a legitimate fifth starter, and he started the second half. And all those things about the most effective five-man lineups, including LeVert, well, maybe that's what's playing out. Maybe we're seeing what we saw at the beginning of the season is what we're going to be going back to in this round of the playoffs. Good Lord, we got all the things that I was hoping to see all at once. I would have taken just a handful of them. Garland outplays Brunson. Mobley outplays Randall. The bench shows up. Mitchell still effective without having to control the entire offense. The big men are more tenacious and tougher than the ones on the other side, and we win the rebounding battle. I just hope we didn't blow our wad here and that we can repeat some of that in the games in New York. And DG, I wanted at least one game this series where he scored over 35. Now, he didn't get there tonight, but 32, I'll take it close enough. Karis LeVert, 24 points, four rebounds, and just the efficiency. His mid-range shot, one that he struggled with much of the season. Now, we've seen him make three-pointers, and he did it again tonight, four three-pointers, but also... To make five buckets 
where he took advantage of them trying to hide Jalen Brunson on him, and he took him to the mid-range for him to get a few dimes, a few rebounds. I don't know if you realize this, but in the 11 games that Karis LeVert has played in the playoffs, nine of them with Brooklyn, he's averaging 19-5-5. and uh, it, This wasn't even close to his highest scoring game in the playoffs. He has three or four where he's done better than this. Now the Cavaliers, they had 17 turnovers. But after the initial bad stretch from Garland, where he had a few of them, the Cavaliers played much better in the first half. And yeah, they got sloppier as the game went on. But by that point, they were playing with a 20, almost 30-point cushion. Now the game started in favor of the Knicks. The Cavaliers found themselves trailing 12-4. to And then they went on a 10-0 run because Darius Garland got hot the moment Donovan Mitchell went to the bench. He went on an eight-point personal run to take the Cavaliers from a 13-6 deficit to a virtual tie, 15-14 for the Knicks. And he followed that up by taking a charge on Emmanuel Quickly. His defense on R.J. Barrett, on Emmanuel Quickly, helping, even contesting, he was fantastic. And Levert hit another buzzer-beating three to, that put them up at the end of the first quarter, despite the fact that the Knicks ripped off seven straight. Now the second quarter, there's a couple things that I wanted to point out, stats that I thought were particularly interesting. 19 points for the Cavs off of turnovers to zero. Ten of those points came directly from Julius Randle blunders. He got stuffed a bunch. He went into ISO mode. He just, he fucked up far too much. Garland gave us another 15-point quarter in the second quarter. And the Knicks had nine turnovers. Only once this season have they eclipsed that number of turnovers in a quarter, and it was 10 to the Hawks during the regular season. RJ, bad. Julius, bad. Four turnovers just for him in this quarter. And the Cavaliers entered halftime doubling up the Knicks bench. Most of that due, of course, to our own Karis LeVert. Third quarter was a slog. A lot of fouls, very slow, very low scoring, and very inefficient. The Knicks just 6 for 23 in the third quarter. Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson combined to shoot 1 of 10 in that third quarter. Fourth quarter, nothing to write home about. Buckets from the human cigar, Robin Lopez. He's a perfect 2 for 2. Owl Neto. By and large, the only thing that came up in the fourth quarter Worth mentioning is that at the end of the game, when the Knicks probably should have thrown the towel in, but didn't, they found themselves in a situation where Julius Randle could have got very seriously hurt. They steal the ball in a passing lane. They race out, trying to get a dunk in transition. Jared Allen runs back, attempts to block the shot from Randle, who flushes it, essentially gets undercut by Jared Allen and crashes to the floor hard. I watched the Knicks broadcast after I watched the national broadcast just to see. I saw the timelines on Twitter and social media, the people that were saying, oh, the Cavs, they need to toughen up. What a bunch of pussies. They're little boys. They need to toughen up. And then this game, when we absolutely muscled the Knicks all over the court, Josh Hart went from being absolutely unbelievable in game one to a massive liability this game. There was He had a technical, of course. He had a fumbled away pass where the Cavs decided to apply full court pressure that essentially gave the ball right back to the Cavs. He had a negative 60 net rating tonight. He was a 141.2 defensive rating, Josh Hart was. Now, I realize he sprained his ankle. Maybe that was bothering him more than he let on. But in 26 minutes tonight, he was a minus 29 and contributed just five points and four rebounds. So the impact he had in that double-double in game one, far cry from that tonight. He looked 
like a liability. Mitchell Robinson didn't do anything in the way of scoring just two points. But all in all, just a horrible shooting night from the Knicks. So that brings us to Jalen Brunson, a man who can counterpunch with Donovan Mitchell. We don't need Donovan. We've got Jalen. And he's a better fit alongside R.J. Barrett because we want to keep the, the ball in his hands. How do you feel now? How do you feel as Donovan Mitchell has 21 assists to just eight for Jalen Brunson? How do you feel with his 39-17 splits? Midway through the third quarter, I got a text from a friend, a Warriors fan friend. I've referenced him before when I slander. I'll probably slander Draymond at some point in this podcast, but I don't want to talk about that. Now this is about the Cavs. And he said, hey, man, I'm uh, coaching. What's going on in the Cavs game? I said, Danny Green has outscored Emmanuel quickly, and we're midway through the third quarter. And that was the only text necessary to paint the picture. Now, I said after game one, I wanted, if there was one thing that I felt like could shift the entire series, it began in the interior, the aggression and the cutting off of the second chance points. And that would open everything else up. And boy, did our big men respond. J.B. Bickerstaff, your thoughts. Our big guys were in the right spot, um, you know, the majority of the night. And when they're in that paint, you know, they're difficult to score over. We got our ass kicked on the boards the other night. And tonight, those guys took it personal uh, and made a huge change. Now, I said in my post-game one coverage that I hoped all this, you know, we have to learn from it. We have to adapt. It wouldn't be empty platitudes because I didn't like this suggestion that the Cavs are some young, inexperienced team when you look on the other side of the court, and the Knicks are just as inexperienced. The Cavaliers, led by Donovan Mitchell, of course, coming into tonight, he had played 40 playoff games, and in 20 of those, he had scored 30 or more points. He is now less than 50% on that accomplishment because tonight, he scored just 17 points. However, he matched a career high in assists, 17 points, 13 dimes. There was a lot of commentary in the aftermath of game one that this whole Donovan Mitchell gets his might be a problem, not sustainable. Now, in the early part of the season after the trade, I think all of us looked at what Donovan Mitchell brought and said, this is what we've been lacking. Too much was put on Garland's shoulders towards the end of last regular season. Mitchell came in here. We won eight of the first nine. It seemed like we had two guys who could get theirs in stretches, pull us out of funks, be one-man wrecking crews. However, in game one, the fear was, well, shit, Donovan Mitchell was so good, and we still came away with a loss. And that those sentiments were mirrored by a lot of people. You and I are very sensitive to when Cleveland seesaw shifts too much toward Mitchell, as much as we like Mitchell, because we like Garland. I didn't feel like they tried to create anything for him at all in that game. I agree. In game one, that was a big issue. Mitchell did get his, but we didn't get anything from Levert. We didn't get anything from Darius Garland. Well, I shouldn't say we didn't get anything, but we didn't get a shot attempt in the fourth quarter. And that's very hard to stomach for a player as offensively prolific as Darius Garland is. But tonight, oh my goodness. Do you realize Jalen Brunson, exalted playoff hero from last season, has only scored more than 32 points one time. Game two last year against Utah where he dropped 41. So what are the takeaways from this evening? Well, I think one thing we should discuss is Danny Green has now showed up. Now, he didn't have to do much, but I like the idea that we were able to put him out there and not find ourselves exploited. 
on the defensive end. I'm hoping with more minutes comes more mobility, a little bit of a rhythm, some continuity with the guys who have to feed him for those three-point looks. And I think you have to give JB some credit. If you were going to kill him for nobody being able to make anything in game one, well, then he deserves the credit for guys making everything in this game. And at least so far. Now, we'll see what the Knicks do to try to counter what the Cavs do in terms of playing a lot of wing length and going a little bit smaller. Maybe it'll be as simple as if Josh Hart is a little bit closer to what he was in game one, and maybe that's a reflection of the stability of his ankle, then maybe they'll put forth a much better effort at home. You would have to think so. But I like JB's game one to game two adjustment thus far. So the fact that Dean was out of the rotation, Rubio was out of the rotation, you can't say that he doesn't see the same things we see. Now, he doesn't have a fully stocked cupboard to fix every problem at once. Sometimes it's just putting the the best situation you can out there. But Levert responded tonight. And for the most part, even with Osmond's terrible shooting, I like the fact that he's feeding minutes to those two. Now, I got away from this earlier, but I did want to play you two things from the Knicks broadcast. The first was the table setter. Walt and Breen kind of call the Cavs a bunch of crybabies. The Cavs were complaining, folks, about lack of physicality. They thought they were mauled and appalled by the Knicks. Watch this. And this is one of the guys that was crying. Now, they said that right after Isaac Okoro got his first foul as he was on the floor and Randall yanked the ball away and then they called him for a foul. So they were poking fun at the Cavs being too sensitive and not responding to physicality. Let's flash forward to when Julius Randall got undercut by Jared Allen, a play which JB was adamant in defending the fact that that was not a flagrant foul. They called it a flagrant foul, and JB said as much. I mean, it was a contest of a a dunk. Like, if you're going to get a steal, and they kept playing hard, they kept running through passing lanes, you know, why would one team play hard and the other one not? Um, There was nothing dirty about the play. It wasn't a flagrant foul. He contested a shot at the rim. It's that simple. Guess what the Knicks commentary was? Throws it to Randall. Randall throws it down. Oh, Randall goes down hard as Allen bumped him. Yeah, that's he's up in the air like that. You know, it's not that's the one that a player can really get hurt. That's why they have to give him a flaker one to deter guys trying to block a shot when a guy's up there dunking the ball like that. Yeah, I, I think I think that's gonna get a flaker. Yeah, it's How the turn tables. We went from being the whiny ones about physicality to watching your whole team unravel on the court bitch and moan, slap your own teammates in the face, get technical fouls, and just crumble under the pressure of playing in Cleveland. Now we go back to New York. But soak this in, Cavs fans. Soak it in. It's 1-1. I think we saw a lot of the things which left us very upset after Game 1, rectified in Game 2, and now we get a chance to see if the Cavaliers can carry this type of momentum onto the road which will be no small feat in Madison Square Garden. So thank you. For everybody who has uh, listened to the podcast, who listens to other podcasts, I have a request for you. If you hear Slander of the Cavaliers, direct me to it. Bob at Fropod.com or at FearTheFropod on Twitter. Tell me where you heard it. Send me a link even. I love those things because much as you heard in the pre-open, I like to make things from them. So I would like to enlist anyone who's interested 
on this, the Fear the Frol podcast. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, please leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe to the podcast. I do have one more thing I want to touch on. Draymond Green has been suspended for one game. If you've listened to this podcast for any period of time, you know my feelings about Draymond Green. Dick Kick Merchant, dirty player. Well, I don't have to tell you what happened. I think you probably all saw it by now. DeMontis Sabonis falls to the floor, grabs his leg. Draymond Green wrestling, stomps him in the stomach as hard as he can and then launches himself off of him, gets thrown out of the game, starts waving his arms to the Sacramento crowd, being like, yeah, bring it on, bring it on, and and then takes no accountability in the postgame, defends what he does, in fact, and let me just play you that audio. My leg got grabbed. Second time in two nights. Referees just watch it. I got to land my foot somewhere. And I'm not the most flexible person, so it's not stretching that far. This is the statement from the guy who, in explaining how he managed to get his foot all the way up to kick James Harden in the face, said, oh, I didn't realize we had kinesiology experts out there. Essentially saying that they don't understand his flexibility. But now, in defense of stomping on DeMontis Sabonis, now it's, well, I'm just not that flexible, guys. And then Clay Thompson in the postgame, he began his his question about Draymond Green, which I'm sure he knew was coming, with the following. I'm not saying what Draymond did was right, but... Now, typically, if your sentence is structured that way, you are about to infer that what Draymond did was right. Let me give you an example. If I say, I'm not saying that if someone rings your doorbell, you shouldn't blow their head off, but... See, whatever I say after that is probably going to be some defense of shooting people who ring your doorbell. Probably. I'm not saying what Draymond did was right, but what are you going to do when someone grabs your foot when you're running full speed? Now, I don't know what game Clay was watching, but Draymond Green was standing there. He hadn't even begun to run. I know he's a bit older, and his top speed probably is slower than it used to be, but he was in no way sprinting. He started to move towards the other rim, got his foot tangled with DeMontis Sabonis holding it and proceeded to stomp all over him. And I was glad to see the NBA took into account the several dick kicks, the dick punch, if you want to call it that, with LeBron, the many, many flagrant fouls over the course of the playoffs, and sat him down for a game. I feel bad for Steph that we constantly have to hear about Draymond's incredible basketball IQ only to see his emotional IQ completely cripple the Warriors from time to time in terms of any stability. That game was winnable against the Kings when he did that, and they lost it. And and if they had managed to win it, I'm sure we would have got a speech from Draymond, maybe even a mini-documentary about how he, he willed them on. He gave them an emotional lift, and that spurred them on to victory while he was in the locker room because he couldn't play because he got thrown out. But good fucking riddance. Okay, that's enough. This is the Fear the Frog podcast. Thanks for joining me. This has been Fear the Frog. If you like the show, subscribe and rate wherever you listen. Our guy, Bob Schmidt, always gets a reaction out of it. Join us next time for more Cavs and NBA coverage.